1: Do you know Kevin K from Crossing Broad? Uh, I do not know him, no. Well, I know who he is. Kevin I don't even know who that is. <laughs> anyway. It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a victory Thursday. Uh, or, Well, it was not a victory, actually. It was a draw. It was a 2-2 draw. It was an aggregate victory. 3-2 Philadelphia Union over Atlas FC and, uh, you know, For a team that needed 10 years to win their first playoff game, the fact that we are sitting here talking about the Philadelphia Union knocking a Liga MX team out of the Champions League is uh, quite the turn of events that I did not predict when we started this podcast in 2016. And, and I can confirm probably as well that Joe Tanzi, who joins me on the show today, d- did not see this uh, coming seven years ago either. Is that an accurate take, Joe? And how are you?
0: I'm good. Does this count as the first uh, union postgame show of the season by anybody?
1: <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, true. Yeah. Sorry, yes. no,
0: i I, I'm trying to not be petty about that, but yeah, no, it's all good. Me. It's
1: all good. I, yes, we have been, uh, <clears throat> well, yes, another topic for another time, but it would have right. it sure would have been nice to talk about that after, uh, in the immediacy of, uh, of, of the, the final, final whistle going as trash, uh, was thrown down onto the field and the chant was coming from the stands and all hell was about to break loose before the, uh, <laughs> ref finally called it right around, right around midnight. But, um, I, you know, I, I gotta be honest. I have no rundown here. I just got off the phone with somebody else. I'm flying by the seat of my pants, but I want to start macro. And I just, it's, it's just that it's that they knocked off a Mexican team in the champions league they're to the semifinals for the second time in three years. And uh, that's an accomplishment, man. I mean, like it, it should not be lost on anybody uh, you know, regardless of what expectations are for this year that uh, getting to the semifinals of the CONCACAF champions league is a, a big fucking deal as Joe Biden once said to Barack Obama. And um, yeah, I guess that's my entry point here is like, let's, let's at least just try to like, you know, like realize the, the, um, the, the massiveness of the, of the moment, I guess, for lack of a better word.
0: Right. And we can finally put to bed the poor performances elsewhere this season because the, the one caveat hanging over this team was, well, they're playing like garbage But if they make the Champions League semifinals, all is forgiven. And uh, it it feels nice to to be talking about that. Because, I mean, look, we've seen it how many times with MLS teams in Mexico where that early goal goes in and they just crumble. Absolutely just fall to pieces. It's a tale as old as time. And luckily – uh, the union were able to, to battle back. It wasn't a perfect performance, but it was a a very gritty, hard nosed performance, and it showed a lot of resiliency. And from from the bigger level, I mean, two Champions League semifinals, and in, in three years, you get to try and enact some revenge off of LAFC, which is always uh, a fun storyline. Now, um, yeah, I mean, you it's. It really is remarkable. I mean, even even just the back to the Ernie Stewart era where things were just trying to kind of come together and you were hoping that maybe one CONCACAF Champions League birth was going to be a, a big deal. And now we're talking about two CCL semifinals in, in three years, an MLS Cup birth, Eastern Conference champions, a supporter shield. I mean, I, I, it really is astonishing how much success they've had in such a short span.
1: But it was gritty and, uh, you know, like a, like a test of metal in a, in a different way, because right. I think like normally we, we would have all been uh, under the, under the guise of, or under the thought that like, Hey, they're going to have to go out down there and like defend like hell and, you know, batten down the hatches and bunker and like kind of, uh, you know, play for a, a nil nil or something like that. Like I didn't, I didn't expect them to have to be tested in the sense of like going and, and getting the goal. And then right. going and getting the second goal, and, and so that that showed me a lot because I mean this is a team that scored, couldn't score at home against Kansas City, needed a penalty to score against Atlas at home in the, in the first. I mean no, there's no indication going down there that they, they were going to even score in Mexico at all, let alone score twice. So that was the most impressive thing because the defense was re- really was not that great last night, um, but the fact that they went out and they found an equalizer after giving up the first, and then they found the second goal to kill it off. That's what that's what said it for me. I mean, obviously, I, I and I just was not expecting uh, the game to play out that way at all.
0: No, and I think it also is a credit to kind of what these guys have been been working through. I mean, Mikhail Ua. I mean, talk about a guy who's just been drugged through the mud about his performances so far this season, and and it, to go back to the well, they concede an early goal; they could have crumbled. He could have crumbled after that. The, the Wandelowski that he pulled in the the
1: first half. Did we we actually get a – like, they showed the replay of that once. Did we – are we, like, convinced that it came came off his shin, or do we think that the other guy got a touch on it? Because when I watched it the first time, it didn't look, like, totally clear to me. Mm -hmm. But I was sitting there, I'm thinking, like, if he fluffed that, I mean, that's a fluff of a lifetime. Because then Atlas comes down and scores on the other end. Yeah, I think –
0: I thought initially that the defender got – a touch on it because they, they were they were claiming for a corner kick. They were
1: all calling for it. Yeah, it wasn't just him in right. like embarrassment, saying like, "Oh, it went off of him." Like I saw Carranza calling yeah. it too. Yeah,
0: yeah. But the the replay, I guess the the final touch went off his boot. So you know you can make the case if if you're that close and you make contact, um, and and even a few minutes before the second goal, he makes that that run that just drags the defender right into Carranza's, um Space. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it, it, to me, it speaks to, like, the, that last goal they had with, with Ua creating it and, and playing the assist and Leon Flock, who we all know doesn't have the offensive skill set that anybody in that midfield has. Um, for him to to hustle and then play that ball, I mean, that kind of just speaks to, like, these guys are they're, – they're gritting it out regardless of – of what they've been doing in MLS play. And also um, Julian Carranza, I mean, that price tag is going to be absurdly high. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's not, he's, uh, he's not long for, uh, for, for this world. I don't, I don't think Um, very much not. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm actually, as we're, as we're talking right now, I got my laptop pulled up. uh, I'm, we're recording. I'm on the desktop and I've got a laptop here and I got the 10 minute highlight reel going. That's how, how much shit was, going on this night. So I can go in a million different ways, but I, I think, I mean, I think you have to kind of look at the lineup itself and the, the thought of McGlynn going in, uh, getting the start and uh, Leon flock coming off the bench, because I, I don't know about you, but you know, if you pencil this one, if you look at this one on, on paper and you're thinking like, Oh, you're going to go do the thought is that you're going to have to go down to Mexico. You're going to have to scrap and defend like hell and just like throw your body out there. I mean, common knowledge based on that would have told us that like Leon flock is the kind of guy for this game, mm-hmm. you know, go out there and muck it up and get stuck in and rah, rah and all that, whatever. And so I, you know, I know that, well, I guess here's the question I'll ask knowing what we know because, uh, because McGlynn got the assist on the first goal and he had an excellent game really. Um, But I wonder how much of that was Jim thinking like, Hey, you know, I- I'm ready to, you know, unbalance it and like try to go for it a little bit more offensively versus knowing also that Atlas was missing guys, right, and they were missing Lozano in the midfield. Goalkeeper was a different goalkeeper. I think it was the other guy in the midfield too. His name I can't remember. So I'm just wondering how much of that do you think was Jim thinking, hey, I'm ready to just give Jack the reins versus like, hey, this is a specific like one game kind of thing where I think his inclusion in the starting lineup is going to make a difference.
0: Yeah, I think we've finally reached the point that fans have been calling for for over the last year, right, of that McGlynn-Flock balance yeah. and the the, un, the the faith in Leon Flock no matter what in this lineup and the, the 60th-minute sub. I think Jim has finally gotten to the point where, okay, Jack McGlynn can play, whether it's the left side of Diamond or the, the Christmas tree – and be comfortable with all of his qualities. I think Jim was waiting for the defensive side with yeah. Yeah. to to catch up to the offensive side. And the first leg, he was he was really good um, with his defending, and I thought he, he showed well again last night. And I think that's I think that's where it's at with with Jim now with that selection is it truly is level pegging on uh, across the board, whereas. It, in the past, it's been Jack's your offensive guy, Leon's your defensive guy. That's how we're going to approach it, no matter what. I think Jim's because he's a defensive-minded guy. First, he's finally gotten the the defensive trust in in McGlynn now, and we all know what he can do offensively. I mean, he he hit that that assist with his uh, with his off foot, with his weak foot, yeah, yeah. It a great foot, man, Yeah, so I think I think that's where we've we've finally gotten to the point where um, this debate that we had all of last year has finally gotten to the point where fans have have wanted it to, to get to.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Because that's, that's what it shows. It shows that Jim has um, not just trust in in McGlynn's offensive abilities, which he's had, but now that he can, he can play defensively and and hold his own and he's become a more complete player. Um, I think that's the, the reason why he's, been able to, to start these champions league games. The at home, of course, you want to you want to go for it, but to have him defensively to go for it to rotate the guys like he did in Cincinnati. Um and then you do have a, a closer now. You have you have a few closers on the bench now with Flock. Um, I don't know if Bueno's at that level yet, but he could technically be one. Uh Perea can be that. Uh Damian Lowe can be that. So um it uh. it, it kind of speaks to what they're what they've actually been building and, and saying for these last few years. But the, the McGlynn thing, I think, is finally at the point now where Jim can put full trust in, in Jack and and really have him be on the field as much as we all want him
1: to see. Well, and that was the – you know, I, I think that's probably the question we got more than anything last year mm-hmm. between uh, this podcast, between the post game show, between just generic, you know, fan writer slash whatever interaction on, on Twitter, you know, you, me, John, everybody, Sean, everybody. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that was the the topic. It was like flock, uh, McGlynn flock, McGlynn, flock, you know, and so on and so forth to, to the, to the, to, but the sticking point I think on that initially was like, because they weren't scoring goals early on last year. So we kept saying to ourselves, okay, well, how do you get the offense going? And it was like, well, I'll take flock off right. And put McGlynn on. Right. And so that was kind of the key point of that because we were sitting here thinking, you know, and then the counter argument to that was like, look, if you rely if the if the catalyst to getting the offense going is to take off one of your freaking shuttlers, then what does that say about the forwards and the and the number ten, you know, and then the fullbacks, right? But I but I think they're at a point now where they just don't need where they're not going to sacrifice a ton of, of defensive balance because I think I think you know it's always it's always a matter of how much does McGlynn's offense. Um, how many, you know, arbitrary percentage points better is McGlynn's offensive contribution versus Flock's defensive contribution, right? And I think, like, what we've learned now is that, yes, the former means more than the latter. But it also opens up, Joe, you know, like, this, this like, role for Leon off the bench, perhaps, where he comes in and does, like, the Warren Carval kind of thing. Hey, right? like, yeah. run around, be be you know, be crazy, use your energy, leave it all out there for 30 minutes, maybe go grab a loose ball and set up a second goal, you know? So I I, I think that's, like... Probably a pretty good thing for him. And I would just so number one, your thoughts on that. Number two, I wanted to make this point as well. I think Leon is the best off ball player that the Union have, and I've said that from the beginning. But the Union are not like the high pressing team that they were three years ago. So I think if you were in a situation where you were like, you still had Brendan out there, still had Cashberg out there, and you were like really like pushing high up the field. I mean, Leon playing like a number eight, like behind Brendan Aaron, so that would have been a terror for other teams, you know? Uh, the, the union now are a counter pressing team. They're not like a high pressing team, so I think like Leon's skill set does sometimes get a little bit lost because it's less important in the uh, collective team tactical side of things.
0: He he gets his the whole skill set gets lost because there's no real statistics on a on a shuddler like yeah with with. McLean, you can say, Oh, here's his assist, here's his chances created, key passes, all that stuff. Whereas with Flock, it's like, well, you can't really quantify passing in this system. You can't quantify possession in this system. And the guys who have more all of these defensive stats, like tackles, interceptions, like stuff we try and and quantify by are Martinez, Glesnis, Wagner, you know. So it's very it's very hard sometimes to actually describe how important he is without watching him because he is a very important part to this team still. But when you have the, the McGlynn-Flock argument, it's like, well, show me what Leon Flock brings and you really can't do it until you, you watch him and it's the, the work ethic. And I think it also falls under the, the Bedoya category of hard work you know, he's going to give just you
1: non-quantifiable money. stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, right. yeah, yeah. That's always going to be the case. And like, I don't, I, I think it was always, um, I think it's pretty safe to say, look, I mean, there were some people who were not Leon flock fans, but I think a lot of it was, I think a lot of the discussion centered less around, it wasn't like a anti Leon flock thing. It was more of just like a pro Jack McGlynn thing. Really. It's a
0: pro, it's a pro Jack McGlynn, pro homegrown homegrown player. Like, Yes, play our, play our play our guys because he's with the the US under twenties. He's doing so well there. So why isn't he on the field every single game? Like that, that's what it, is. and it's yeah. totally understandable because we have we kind of did the same thing with Quinn Sullivan to a lesser extent last year as well, and now he's going through this this uh, position change and everything. But like I think it, you know Jim says this at least once every month about Leon Flock is that. He's still a young player too. We all, I think, we all just assumed that they plucked him from what St. Pauli, and we're like, yeah, hey, hey, this guy's been a professional. He was in Germany. Um, you know, this is his complete skill set. This is what he is, and that's it. Whereas he's what maybe two years older than Jack McGlynn. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's not. A, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And he
0: like his his skill set isn't complete either. So while we're out here lauding Jack McGlynn for his defensive work. You know, Leon has actually made strides offensively. We may we may not see them, um, but that was the, the, the effort on that second goal is one of those things. So yeah, I think it's I think that part gets lost in, in the sauce too, where like we're we're so pro Jack McGlynn and we should be, but that also turns into not understanding like, hey, Leon Fox still developing too, and when Jack McGlynn's not here in say a year, year and a half. Leon Flock's going to have to be a more complete player because it's – and the same thing is with, like, the forwards, too, is, like, there are short-term guys here and there are long-term guys here. Um, And it's very clear who the short-term guys are, like McGlynn, Carranza, whereas someone like Ua, you want to see banging in goals nonstop because you know he's going to be here for the long haul. And Same thing with Gazdek. So I think that's – I think that's the best way to describe that whole situation without going – yeah. Super more in depth
1: about it. No, no, it's that's fair. I, you know, it's funny too because I I did think originally some of the like left sided shuttler stuff was going to be predicated based on like uh you know whether Kai Wagner was back or not. And you know, obviously now with the benefit of hindsight, obviously you know the hamstring was still well. I don't know if the hamstring was a thing or not, or if it just you know he just slipped on the Sodfather's fathers uh, turf down there in uh you know uh Jalisco. And and I don't know, but I guess the point being is like you you felt originally I was like okay, well Kai's back there, so I don't give a shit who's in front of him. You feel comfortable with whoever's in whoever's at the eight because Wagner's gonna be back there, of course. But you know, I think obviously like the big tactical thing from the game was then he's injured, he has to come off. Like I think we have Jim like kind of nailed down to a T here because I was like Harrell's gonna come on at left back, mm-hmm. um, and then the question was really like how long do you how long do you think Bizo can skate on the on the yellow? You know, and there was some cocky caffey bullshit in there too, he was and there, there's and, that
0: there's that one moment and I I don't think I've said this a lot about cock refs, but yeah. the guy in the middle last night was actually pretty good.
1: He was actually pretty good. You know, a, I was, yeah, I was like I was thinking too because you know, because I came out and said it, I'm like that that last action that Baizo had before he came off I'm like oh, that's probably a second yellow, he probably should have been off. But there was also a tactical foul that Atlas pulled like ten minutes before that. That got no card at all. So at least he was uh, consistent with it, you know, to the point where it benefited both teams. Probably the Union more because the guy who didn't get a yellow on the Union side in that particular case was already on a yellow. Um, <laughs> but I just, you know, Olivia, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, I think the thing with look, we obviously know that like Jim. Trusts Harriel more than Matt Real, of course, which is why he ke- keeps playing Harriel on the left side, even though he's a right-footed guy, right? And like my philosophy with fullbacks is like, unless you're Philip Lahm I don't want a right-footed guy playing left back, you know, because it just limits you so much to what you can do. But I'm like, well, he's probably probably do Harriel at halftime here. Real will come on, but not right away. And I don't uh, know.
0: If, <laughs> I don't know if you caught this, but I I think the the Fox guys last night were talking about Harriel. and I think somewhere in the comments they said that curtain thinks he's the the best 1v1 defender they have. Um, yeah. Which know, is yeah. which is a line I think Jim used for Ray Gattis for like every, every year that Ray was here. Yeah, who played um, on
1: the left and the and the right. So. Yeah, so
0: maybe like maybe that's what he what he thinks he's like, well, forget the the whatever footedness on um the left or right side, like if he can defend 1v1, that's that's the ultimate kind of tiebreaker there? on who? Yeah, and teams. the game
1: did not call, you know, and listen, like, I think, you know, it would have been different if at that point the game called, called, required another goal for the Union, which it did not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I uh, yeah, I, I, was, I lost my train of thought there, but I, what I was going to say is like, it, it doesn't because the complication here now is saying, like, okay, well, Harriel comes on. You're going to have to bring somebody on at halftime regardless because of the injury. But I don't know if it would have changed. I don't know if Jim's thoughts would have changed on that, whether they needed a goal or not. Like, if, if they were down one nothing and they definitely needed to score and get the away goal and he brought it, put a left-footed guy, a right-footed guy over on the left when he had Ray out there, then I would have thought a little bit more of it and been like, uh, well, you're not going to get anything going forward from, from Harriel. In the same way that in the first leg of the Atlas series, it's like they weren't even passing him the ball. You know, but that was, yeah, a, I think that's, you, were play, you weren't playing up a man at home. You know, you were like in a situation where you could have afforded to do that. You know what I mean? So.
0: Yeah. I think that's where Damian Lowe not being fully fit also plays a role. Cause I, I would not have been surprised if, if Jim at some point in the second half decided to go three at the back.
1: Go to three. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It, it, did,
0: it did work really well on Saturday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it did. You're right. Um, I guess I, it's just I, I guess I wasn't surprised by any of that. Do you remember? I don't have the box score up in front of me. How, how when did they take Baizo out? Like how long did he make it on that yellow?
0: I think he made it sixty
1: something. It was okay. Mid, all right. mid, yeah, it was midway through the second half. It felt a lot. For some reason, it felt like an eternity that he was out there. And I was like, oh yes, was, you know, <laughs> just, you know down on the ground get back. He, he he and he and uh, Caranza were the only two really like concaffing it. Uh, there there was. Uh, and, and, I mean, to be fair, like, Olivier knew he was on a yellow, too, so there was an extra layer of, of bullshit to, to um, you know, to, to warrant that, I guess. But there was, like, the you know, the part at the end there where Bedoya could have just dribbled into the corner. I don't know what he was looking at from Matt Real. Like, I think Real was just sitting there saying, like, hey, why are you not, like, running into the corner here? Or maybe it was Harry. Whoever was on was on that side behind him was like, why the fuck aren't you just running into the corner? But they, they, they didn't, like, they, they played they played him in the second half, you know, and they played them throughout the game. Like the union really did not b- do a lot of bull bullshitting. You know, And I know, I know that they got, I know that they got the red card at the end. So for the final 13 minutes, yeah, they're playing 11 versus 10, but even then they could, uh, you know, Andre Blake could have just hoofed it up the field heard the chant. And then they could have bunkered down and just try to play it that way. But they, they didn't, they, you know, they brought the ball up the field and you know, they went for the second goal and they got the second goal, but I was getting, I wanted to ask you, like when you watch the, um, the second goal replay, when Ua put that pass in, did that clip the defender's leg? I'm not it sure. Because it, it looked like it bounced to me. <laughs> I watched it like a hundred times. Like I could not get a, like a clean view of it because I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, oh my God, if he screws this pass up, like union Twitter is going to explode, you know, because um, they had fluffed the the 2v1 going the other way. Not, not long before that. Um, but I was like sitting, I'm thinking, holy shit, that barely squirted through because the way the ball kind of popped up, it made it look like it hit, it hit the, it looked like he megged the defender, but it may have clipped like a heel through the nutmeg. And I was wondering why it sort of sat up like that. Um, I, My, am I allowed
0: to say now that he had the assist on the, the series clinching goal that Michael, who actually had a, a decent to good game, but the, the two errors of the big ones we, we would have
1: remembered. Well, you can you can spin it. And I'll I'll allow you to. <laughs> I'm giving out permissions to my to my guest. Um, I I will. You can certainly spin it into a like he put he put himself in great positions, kind of kind of thing. He had the he had the. God, I'm going to try to remember them all off the top of my head. He had the one where he kind of got by the defender after the ball got hung up, but he didn't square it back. Still latched onto a ball. You know, he had the other one where he botched the run, but he was there uh, the other where the offside, the ball was offside, but they ran onto it anyway. And he was going to be there for a tap in. It was like a yard offside. If it, if it had taken play, I mean, he, he was, he, he It's a type of game where he could have scored zero goals, which he did, or he could have scored five.
0: I think the, the Mikael Ua conundrum is why don't you score goals? And yeah. I think it, if you compare it to the last striker, who was streaky here, um, when Kasper Shabilko wasn't scoring goals, he also wasn't doing a damn thing to do anything to, to set up goals. Like it was just no straight up laziness. Whereas like Ooh, like yes, the goals still need to come. You're a designated player forward. They, they have to to come in. You have to contribute to goals. That is your job at the end of the day. But every time I watch him, he still finds himself in the right positions, and that maybe at least from like my view, taking, you know, not being a, a fan and like emotionally committed to it. I, maybe that's where I differ from everyone's viewpoint where I still see him doing all the the right things. Like he's in spots, he's on the ball. He's being, he's being physical with defenders, which I thought him and Carranza did a, a fantastic job of last night. They, they were got, getting on the inside shoulder and, and drawing fouls and, Doing exactly what they they should do in that environment. So maybe that's, um, maybe that's just me being a little too lenient uh, with UWA. And I get it. If you want to say striker go score goals, I, I understand that argument. But I, I watch I watch him and what he does, and compare him to the other strikers of previous seasons before he got here, and it's night and day with how he moves off the ball and. He yeah. was able to put himself in those spots where, yeah, he had a really bad miss, if we're going to call it that, if it's a miss or a deflection, whatever. should have finished there, and he interrupted Carranza's run. But he still didn't stop making those
1: plays. It's like- no, and, and Shabilko, towards the end of it, or, or not towards the end of it, but, I mean, in that one year specifically, I mean, because in his first year he would do some hold-up play. He would come out and he would peel wide and he would like get up on the ball and, and kind of like do some things to help out his teammates. But, yeah, I mean – Shabilko towards the middle slash end part of his union tenure was like, you're ready to rip your fucking hair out. And like, you have the tweet saved in drafts ready to say how much you can't stand watching him. And then he would pop up with like a 84th minute goal or something, you know, but that was literally the only thing he would do is just right. score the one goal. And then the other 89 minutes of the game, he would do nothing. Right. And
0: that's why the Chicago fire are, looking, are still looking for a striker.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Ua, you know, to, to his credit, yes, he he is, Still running and still moving. And like he, he's, he, they, they're the movement between the front three last year and they're scoring all those goals was fantastic, you know? So it's not for a lack of trying, right? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll I will give you that. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I think that's a valid kind of thing. I just didn't understand yeah. some of those, like some of the runs he was making, like on right. the one that you were talking about where he starts to come inside. First of all, Carranza should have played UA on the left a lot earlier, right? and and open up the channel and move that defender, then he's got a one two coming back for you. So I don't know why Carranza held onto that ball in the first place. I don't were, know why Uwa came back around him. And, and and third, I'm not even convinced that that, that wasn't a penalty because the, the uh because Carranza got clattered into at the top of the box there and the ball was kind of away from him a little bit. But the ref in the in the first series, that's where they got the denial of a goal scoring. There, you know it was there, the same, like kind of cla- like clattered into sideways from behind them.
0: Yeah, there have been certain instances, and this is just a you know the whole season as a whole with with the front three is. I mean, there was an instance in the first half where U was on the right side of the box, and all he has to do is just put the ball somewhere in the center, and he's got an open Carranza, and open Gazdag. It feels like there's been a lot of those moments where they're just not being they're they're not being selfish or unselfish in the right spots. Like it feels like that last decision yeah. just isn't clicking like it was last year. Like they're finding themselves in the spots. They're making the runs. They're still working like hell defensively, but it's that, and it's been so hard to to quantify. And it really just comes down to like, eye test. I'm like, what, what are you seeing compared to, to last season between those three? And I, and I think that's last night kind of showed that too, is like, they they have the right ideas, they know how to play with each other, but when they the decision making just isn't isn't there and and you know, that's early season stuff, whatever it may be, but like it's that play, like, yeah, Carranza could have played the ball out to Ua and Uwa doesn't even make that run around and, and drag the defender into Carranza. It's just very like it's not quantifiable stuff. It's stuff you've got to Yeah see yeah. from watching this team for from last year and this year, where I think it's just the decision making between all three of them is just where they should make the final pass. They're it's just not where it was or something like that. It's yeah. just
1: not where it was last year. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's nothing that you can really put a finger on unless you're like watching all the games like we are and just saying, like, you know, something's just up with the eye test here. Like they're they're decision making their runs and whatnot. I'm watching back the uh. You know, this doesn't exactly help on a on a non-visual medium, but I'm, I watched that play like five times in a row again just now. And my only thought is that like, he was thinking he could like kind of slide, do this like loopy kind of like like move to get behind Carranza, and Carranza could just sort of like leave it out there for him, uh, which would have been a really good angle for a shot. But, I mean, even then, it was a lot to ask because there was two guys chasing, you know, in addition to the – it was like a 2v1, but two guys were kind of right behind him, so – he had gauze dog coming down to the left but he was kind of out of it um i don't you know the one thing that i started doing is in in lieu of um you know taking notes for the shows now i just kind of look back through my like rambling twitter page from the night before <laughs> and like kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah like I, of, I do that when i write and i was like
0: well what what happened before what sequence and i just go through and I'm like okay that's that's where my head
1: was at at those. Yeah, games. yeah, I don't, you know, and we don't need to get too deep into this. It's kind of like gets in the weeds. It's hard to illustrate <laughs> on the podcast. But I, I didn't think the center backs were that amazing last night. Um, you know, at least for like like for decent stretches of the game. You know, that first goal was a was a, an abortion of of. Maybe I shouldn't say that word. It was a bad goal to give up, and uh, I don't know. You know, Roe versus yeah. Wade. I'm trying to be sensitive here. So, um, um,
0: is it? Are we? I think there's a few guys to. to I think that is the, the classic case of we're going to draw at the center back. We think we know what Baizo's weaknesses are, and I think yeah. they did that to perfection. Because I think ba- yeah. like, Baizo still has those moments where it, it happens once or twice a game where he gets where somebody gets dragged out or he gets out of position. Like it's still a it's still an incomplete product with him. And he kind of where... gets pushed.
1: He kind of yeah. He kind of gets sucked like uh like sucked up. Kind of pushed out. I, I don't I don't know if they had some kind of uh you know strat- strategic like thought to like hey if like Quinones is like on your side and he's kind of hovering like get up get up and get on his back like don't don't give him that space in the hole. I, I'm trying to watch it back again actually as we're speaking here. Of course you don't have the full replay from uh. They've got a 10 minute uh highlight reel here, and the, this one's cut short or whatever. I, I don't know why they they caught him like this, but like yeah, he got kind of pushed up. Julio Furch actually does a does a really, really good job kind of running into the corner, and Jack Elliott passes him off to Glessness. So because Mbaizo gets pushed up, Glessness has to then go wide where he doesn't want to be. Like center backs don't want to go over there. Right. You know, we don't we don't want to go out to the to the touchline, right? Because it's just we we don't want to defend in space. It's not like our thing you know like we're not ray gattis right (laughs) right you know like we're just more comfortable banging with dudes in closed quarters or heading the ball out of there i don't want to be facing a guy i don't want a guy facing up at me dribbling from from the side but you know the other thing that killed me on that that goal because they had uh maybe it was herrera i can't remember the guy's name but they had him like on his knees in the box and they defended it well and then jose martinez just stood there watched you know to their, yeah, and, then, and, watch. Yeah. and then
0: the, the second goal is, you know, I think Elliot was way too passive. Um, just like either go for the ball, try and make a block or, or, or protect the, the near post, do something. Yeah, um, And he kind of just had nothing happen. I think he's dipped in form a little bit. Uh, I think Jack hasn't had
1: it. Yeah. I don't think Jack's had had that great of a year to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's a tough one because you're moving in transition and there's a guy f- kind of floating behind. So, Glesniss looked like he was playing that where he was just going to try to cut off the cutback if it came, and the cutback never came. But I think because Kai got cooked so bad, the center right. backs just weren't expecting him to get, like, abused the way he did. So, Elliot just kind of had to abandon his guy and, like, just try to <laughs> – I don't know, just come over and try to get in the way. Yeah, least, it is least kind of a no-man's land for, yeah. for him
0: there. Because Kai I – mean, yeah. That's that was kind of the play that was just like, all right, we gotta get Kai off at halftime and 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 figure it out from there.
1: Yeah, because originally I was looking at that, I'm like, why is Glessness so far off? And then I'm like, oh, well, they just both were like trying to scramble because they I they just they probably just did not expect like the left back to get totally killed like that. You know, it's as soon as I watch that replay, I'm like, that's something's got to be wrong with him because he's he never gets yeah he never gets beat like that. So I, I just. I didn't think too much of, too much of that, and the first one we can analyze the shit out of it. Maybe I'll do a thing on Twitter, but the second one I was just like, whatever, you know. Um, I don't know from from there. I mean, it, it, you know, it got it got progressively more Concacaf, I guess, towards the end. Like the feed was shit. I kept seeing color bars every five seconds. Is the same same way everybody else did. It also didn't help that, that John Strong and Stu
0: Holden, who, by the way, I, I could have sworn they've they've watched maybe one Union game this year. Yeah, And they're just going off of, like, things they saw in 2022. Um, And they're on a monitor in Los Angeles, and they're just like, well, we don't exactly know what's going on. Oh, but here's confirmation. Like, halftime, it took them, like two minutes to figure out who the
1: subs were like oh yeah oh yeah exactly because i'm like sitting there thinking i'm like i see harry all running around over there are they gonna say say anything about it yeah that's a tough that's a tough answer then they're at the mercy of the feed too because of course the feed misses like three like near goal uh, opportunities again like it's just i don't uh, i don't need to go on another screed about like cutting away from games and like you know being a a technical director and all all this stuff but uh you know, it, it just, it, you know, the shit starts coming from the stands and then you got the chant coming out of here. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to get into a whole big sidebar about the chant and all this stuff. Cause this isn't really like the time or place for all that. I mean, it's that they want won a great game. I, think, but
0: but they, I think they, they, we
1: all know, like, I think we all have an understanding, like, yes,
0: it's very bad and there should be punishment yeah. for it. And, um, and we should point it out. Like, I think that's, I don't think it's a, a long kind of diatribe we need to have about it because cock Calf is, is, trying at least.
1: To well, right. They're, they're going to, they're going to handle it. And there's, you know, there's going to be some kind of retroactive punishment handed down here. You know, it'd be one thing if that happened for all, of, and there was no mechanisms in place and they didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And like, it had just flown under the radar. If, it, if that would be one thing for every, for every blue check mark on the planet to have to go to Twitter and say about how bad it is and whatever. It's like, I, I like, like we know, Yes, You know what I'm saying I don't, I'm not like trying to downplay it or say like like anybody can skate or whatever but I don't, we're beyond the point where we need like like I don't, I don't like this term but I, we don't need like virtue signaling when it comes to the chant right we, We've all established that it's bad. The, uh, you know the leagues have established that it's bad. there's been um, you know a, a structure for for punishment. That's uh, attached to it now, right? So, so it's just about them executing on that kind of stuff. I don't think we need to flock to. I don't need like people just to to feel like they're obligated to go onto Twitter every time they hear it and say, "Well, there it is again." Like, well, okay, I, like yeah we all heard yeah. it, we all saw it. Like the, the, you know, hopefully the people who are in charge of policing it will do what they've they've uh, step, set up to do. Up, yeah. and, you
0: know, also though, if the referee stops that game in what the eighty 89th minute, like.
1: That, game well, not no. getting,
0: that game's not getting restarted.
1: Well, no, and that's what I was going to ask because because I didn't I didn't I don't remember the technicalities off the top of my head. But when they hear it, they're supposed to stop the game now.
0: Uh, they they issue the warning in stadium, which they did
1: right because you hear the guys speaking in yeah. uh, Spanish, and the, right. they played that twice. Um, I mean, it's
0: just like what, like I I, I understand it's yes, it, it's whether whether that, I guess that what I'm quick. trying to
1: say is like whether that was protocol or not that whether that was correct protocol or not for the ref to just keep playing it felt like the right thing to do because he was probably just thinking to himself like, well, we only got six minutes in this thing. I should fucking get it over with and get out yeah. of here. We
0: only have six minutes. This thing is going to devolve into even more chaos. If I stop the game, there's going to be things thrown on the field. The, the environment's going to get worse. And then you're going to have this yeah. 30, 30 to 45 minute break just to play five minutes of a game that everybody kind of knows
1: what the result that's is. A, that's pretty much in the bag, right? I don't, yeah. I, I like to me, it felt like he was uh I don't know, de escalating in a way, right? I mean, like, what's what's do to, to to just let the game keep going and just let it roll? It's like, I I'd probably, uh, because I'm thinking, what's the alternative if they do stop it? If they do stop it, then it's more shit come down on the field. You, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, what's what does the alternative look like? It, I becau- don't
0: like? it becomes it becomes a lot worse. Also, I, I was convinced that Bedoya didn't go to the corner because there was things just flinging at a high rate. Are um, oh, you
1: think do you think that had something to do with it?
0: i don't I don't know because Ali's been through the, every battle possible in guy yeah. calf, but yeah. like I thought that for a second, I'm like, oh, is there just or are just projectiles just flying left and right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting. I well, regardless of whether that played a role or not, he would have got pelted, so um, right <laughs> I don't know if it influences his decision or not, but he but if he did go there, he probably would have got hit with some shit. Yeah, I don't know. I just um. It, it just got progressively. It's like um, what's what's the word that I'm that I'm looking for? Uh, cum, cumulatively, it got cumulatively more Mm-hmm. which uh, I think that's the name of the podcast right there. So let me write that down right now. Uh, cumulatively, at, <laughs> at, least, at least that's a word, and
0: not um, was it dismantalization?
1: <laughs> dismantalization. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, yeah, it was loopy. That's one of those where my wife was trying to go to bed, and she's like, I'm getting in bed as soon as, like, midnight comes around. And I was, like, still wired from the game, which ended at, like, 12.01, so I was, like, laying there in bed for, like, a half hour staring at the ceiling, like, oh, I'm not that tired, you know? Uh, so maybe maybe I should have slept on the couch. Maybe for the next, like, uh, Conica calf after dark, um, i put my shit on the couch early. Maybe at halftime i go up and i get my stuff. i sleep on the couch, like, a- uh... <laughs> Like yeah. a scorned husband or something like that, you know. But you're, uh, you're banned from watching too much Concacaf. No, no, you need you need a uh, a, a Concacaf cool cooldown period. You do. It's, it's kind of what. She, that's another good name for the for the for the episode. I, I will <laughs> notice
0: that, like Jim, in, in the press conference last night, you could tell his adrenaline was still pumping. Like he, he's usually pretty cool, yeah. calm, and collected when he gets into the press conference, but. You could tell his his adrenaline was pumping, whether it was from, you know, being pissed off at the fans, the, the, the emotion from the getting through to the semis, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, you could tell he still had a little extra juice running through his fans and, and you know, totally understandable. But yeah, he was.
1: Maybe, <laughs> <it's not laughs> well, could you could you imagine? Because they, they showed two shots of him, one after each goal where, you know, when the flag came up and he like he you know, he's got his hands up in the air. And I, like, can you just imagine what that feels like? Like you're a coach of the team or a player on that team, like, and like you like you know this is a goal, and you're probably just thinking in the back of your head, like please do not like fuck me out of this goal, the, both yeah. of these goals, because because you, you knew that they were legit. Um, but just what that must be like mentally, like you're in Mexico, you got these fans going crazy, like you know you just scored, but like the ref is it's, it's like in, it's in the ref's hands, like it's gotta be like the worst worst feeling in the I, world, and then the biggest that's like relief.
0: I tweeted out last night that bars doesn't have to buy a beer in, in Philadelphia ever again.
1: No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. And it's funny too. And you know what? I didn't, I gotta be honest too. I didn't have a problem with either one of those flags going up just because that's kind of what they're taught to do right now. You know? Um, yeah. And ultimately like, what, what do we say when we had this discussion about, uh, I guess it was a Gibbon was it the show that Gibbons was on recently, um, where they had the, the VAR non VAR double review, whatever the, Hell, it was like ultimately. I was Montreal, Montreal. Yeah. yeah, even though that was a shit show. Like, okay, they got it right. Like at the end of the day, the right call was made. And That's what happened in the Union game. That yeah. was yeah.
0: There, there have been two worse refereeing
1: debacles
0: uh, involving Union games this year than yeah. that. I mean, they got yeah. their call right. I mean the 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 Cincinnati PK whatever it may be, Yeah, that was a whole debacle and stuff in the Montreal thing. I mean, the right calls were ended up ended up being made, but like, yeah, yeah they handled that fairly easy compared is it to what strange
1: probably... yeah yeah I mean it's like is it strange to say that as con as as this game was at times that it felt like it was not that con in relative terms to like what it could have been or what we've seen before like oh, yeah. it was re- it was refed pretty consistently you know and like I guess because the union were on the front foot or led by aggregate there's no rolling around from the league MX team. And the MLS teams don't do a lot of that shit to begin with. So other than Baizo and Carranza went down a couple of times, he did get hit on those, but there they're what they're yeah, I guess they're it could have been worse in that in that regard, I guess is is what I'm thinking, you know.
0: It it could have been, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um all right. Well we're like forty something. That's kind of how long I like to go. Um, Joe, you want to plug your I don't think I've had you on since you started your uh sub stack, right? Do you wanna tell everybody about that?
0: Yeah, um, the conveniently named Union Soccer blog, which, if you've been following along for God knows how many years now, we've been doing this. um, Started out as Union Soccer Talk, the video series, way back in the day with Sean Brace. And we have the, again, the very difficultly named Union Soccer podcast. Um, which you can, can you can subscribe to wherever you, your podcast. Yeah. But yeah,
1: yeah, really, really going out on the on a limb with that. With that, we
0: name. we are not the creative bunch. Um, <laughs> we are we are the we are the dege- we are the degenerate non creative bunch. Um,
1: yeah.
0: myself, Sean Brace, and John Jansen. Um, so yeah, you can soccer blog over on Substack. Uh, you can subscribe for free. Subscribe. Uh, got a paid model over there as well. Um, yeah, just kind of doing what I've been doing for years, but now just employing myself so that no soccer websites go out of business and I'm screwed.
1: Well, there you go. And doesn't it feel good to be your own boss too? You know, so it, it does. That's all you can, uh, that's all you can really ask for Joe Tanzi. everybody. Uh, thanks man. It's always a pleasure. We'll get you on crossing broadcast too. One of these days, if you want to come on and talk like, you know, pac 12, like women's field hockey after dark or something, you know, I know you you're always watching something on TV. So.
0: I am one of the five people uh, east of the Mississippi River with Pac-12 Network. Although I, that, I'm more of a more of a basketball guy than a field hockey
1: guy, but I, 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 I like how, I like how all. By the way, I like how all of the like guys who do the union stuff have like a super random thing that they're like that they're into or that they also do like in addition to soccer. Like you're the like you're the guy who will stay up and watch like Hawaii versus Louisiana Tech on like yes. Saturday at one a.m. Absolutely. The, the George has been to every high school within a 500 mile radius of Philadelphia, and I, I'm a. Uh, soccer and MMA and college football guy who somehow ended up doing a, a, a Philly sports website where nobody seems to care about any of those sports. But, um, you know. Uh, they just care about arenas and, and Josh Harris. Oh, God. Don't even get I need, I need like a <laughs> stiff drink after all that shit. I, I think I published my last arena story ever today. So um, We know that's a lie. Oh, God. All right, well, at least for the week. So, anyway, it's always soccer in Philadelphia. Doop, doop. See you next time.